areas of shame, of weakness, are oftentimes points where we can find awkward truths about who we are. The parts of ourselves we wish those who we most desire would never be able to see, at least without us presenting them how we want to. These gaps can cause pain, and if simply pushed aside, they can alter lives in a series of ways. But what can we do with these gaps? Will we ever learn to deal with them in the best way possible, or could there be a way to fill in what seems to be lost? This is Sit Down and Listen. There was a young man many centuries ago that was a brilliant mind, but also enjoyed a lifestyle of drinking and pleasure. His wildness was to such an extent that his mother Monica, who was a Christian, prayed that he would leave that dangerous and harmful way of living. Until one day, after engaging in a night of his normal activity, partying and in his hangover, he makes his way along the side of a garden. There were some uh, kids or children playing in the garden, and this specific game that they were playing had a phrase that the kids would call out to one another, and the refrain was like this, Tole Lege, Tole Lege. This wasn't its purpose in the game, but literally when this phrase is translated, it meant pick up and read, or take up and read. And this man stopped in his tracks and being convicted with an overwhelming sense of divine intervention and providence, for there in the garden he spotted a copy of the New Testament. And having heard that repeated phrase of pick up and read, pick up and read, he picked up the book and let the pages fall wherever they did. And the words that he read were these, let us walk properly such as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. When he read these words, it was as if each one was a spotlight put on himself. They were swords that were driven into his heart and confronted his life. This is what ultimately led this man to wrestle with the authority behind these words. His name was Aurelius Augustine, a theologian, philosopher, and one of the first defenders of the Christian faith. This man was brought to his knees by a passage that speaks about the battle in life between the physical and the eternal. Now, many of us hear the terms like flesh and eternal and our minds instantly jump to what? We jump the gun and put it in a classification of religious lingo. But when we take a closer look at the mind of Augustine, we realize that it's a struggle we all face simply because the starting point generally is the same. We are all human beings, and like all human beings, we suffer from disappointment and denial. We have spoken about a denial to speak and engage the tough questions that arise along, alongside us, but what about our practical lives? A man by the name of Ron Serling, you guys probably might know him, but this man was assigned the task of writing a critical review of Augustine's most famous work, The Confessions. 
which I think we should all be exposed to. Uh, but in this review, Serling came to the conclusion that the book was one of the most overhyped pieces of literature that he had ever come across. The book simply did not deserve all of the popularity and praise that it had received over the years and that it still does. Inside his judgment, what jumps out to me is the fact that he seriously believed that the book was written by someone who had an obsession with guilt. He points to the specific passage of the confessions that showed this in the story told by a much older now Augustine, he shared some of the experiences that he had in his own life. Those that he was the most ashamed of. This was one when he was a teenager, where he was involved along with some other young guys in a prank, where they went into someone's private property and stripped a pear tree of its fruit. They stole the pears that belonged to someone else and then left. Now Augustine, writing years later, is feeling the culpability of what he had done that day. To which the critic, much like many other people, would say to one who has shared a similar experience, Come on, Augustine. Seriously? Are you serious right now? Some people are carrying the guilt of adultery. Some are carrying the guilt of a murder they've committed and theft. And here's this guy getting all worked up for some, for some simple pairs when he was a kid. But Augustine explains that what made him feel so ashamed, it wasn't the act itself or stealing the fruit. He said this, As I considered my life, and I considered the things that I had done that were evil, I could see that there were certain sins I fell into, though they were not excusable, they were understandable. And I want you to listen to this. Augustine confessed all kinds of sexual sin as a young man, having children outside of matrimony. But that's understandable, he said, because there's a strong, and as we all know, there's a strong biological drive to be involved with another person sexually. And that temptation can grip someone in a moment of weakness. Augustine is not excusing it, but he says it is understandable. And he, he also adds, I can also understand why a man would steal bread. I don't think a man who's starving has the right to steal a loaf of bread, Augustine said, but I can understand the motivation to do such a thing. But he says this, and, and I think that this should make us think. He says, but I stole pears when I didn't even like pears. And this is the moment to gasp if there was one. This is the gap we all face. Moments, scenarios, actions, characteristics, traits that leave us in a lapse of confusion and unbalance. But he adds, there is nothing that could cause my passion my passions to steal those pairs except this one. The naked joy in doing something I knew was wrong. Let me ask you, if you're listening to me, what's your naked joy? What is your naked joy? What's my naked joy? We all believe in a right and wrong. We all yell about, about justice because there exists such a thing as injustice. But can you think of actions, a thought, words, 
said that only served the purpose to satisfy a desire to do something evil, something that goes against the parameters that have been established, maybe by parents, maybe by the law, maybe by people in positions of authority. Can our naked joy fill the gap we struggle from? And that's the question that I want us to ponder about. The idea of prayer for those who have faith has always been known as a conversation of thanking God and asking God for things. But for Augustine, it is much more than that. If we step back from the existence of Plato, 800 years into the future, a lot has changed, and I am trying to position us you know, historically. In Plato's day, for example, Rome was an insignificant town. For Augustine, Rome has been destroyed and ransacked at around 400 AD. It's interesting because Augustine was known as a Neoplatonic, meaning that he was a new follower of the teachings of Plato. And the mind for Augustine is at the essence of what we can give to God. We give him all of who we are. We give him our mind and we give him our soul. Not as much asking God what we can do, what He can do for us, but asking God how we can serve Him. This is the mentality that goes beyond the thinking of Augustine. A story that most people are very familiar with is with the creation account found within the pages of Scripture. And this is the fundamental building block for Augustine's thought. In day one, we all know this, we see a separation between day and night. Augustine also adds that angels were created on the first day. Day two, God separates the waters above and below from the skies. Day three is the separation of the waters from the land. Day four is the creation of the moon, the sun, and the stars, the celestial bodies. Day five, we have the flying beings and the sea beings. And day six, we have human creation along with other mammals. And then finally, in day seven, God rested and saw that what he had created was good. But if we notice, there's a pattern of separation and difference in most of these days. There are two different or opposite things being created, which communicates the idea of a tension that is found all around us between the intricate choices and decisions we make. For Augustine, there is a distinction between the city of man and the city of God. These two cities are separate, but at the same time strongly connected. Even those who claim faith in God have to live within the limitations of a physical world that is dictated by laws and authorities. But the city of God has been made known to us by several different ways, Augustine says. It's, it's really critical that we recognize the difference in description when we talk about the human. In ancient Rome, for example, there always existed the idea that we as humans were rational animals. Rational uh, beings that think, beings that have thought, but at, this, but at the end of the day, animals. In, in what composes us. But for Augustine, we are described as a spiritual animal. No longer rational, but for Augustine, the emphasis is on the spiritual element, on the spiritual uh, uh, way of seeing things. And here's the kicker. In our truest self, Augustine says, our true reality, our truths of truth, our true self is a lack of God. 
I think now more than ever there is a palpable tension between what is of God and what is of man or human. This is something that has led to much time and reflection. The question that we should wrestle with today is, how can I present the full truth? How can I present fully the truth of my conviction and also display and be a reflection of love, patience, and mercy? How can I do that? There's a tension there. In an ideal world, what do we all want? In an ideal world, all of us who have something to say would say it and either People would agree with us or completely understand and have a humble response to what we say. But there is no such thing. There can't be. Even before Augustine came to the Christian faith, he was heavily involved with the pagan Mayakinan belief. And in this belief system that Augustine resorted to before his coming to faith in the Christian worldview, this belief was centered around an eternal struggle between the forces of good and evil. Have you ever tried to generally answer the questions people might try to ask you about the values and opinions you hold close? And you keep answering until you get to the point where you start getting the idea that the individual isn't being all that sincere? The tension that is placed upon us to many things that we don't spend too much time we're worrying about, in one instance, they can become matters of much concern. The tension for some serves as an opportunity to reach a new level of understanding about themselves or the world around them. But for some, it serves as the final burden before they completely collapse. Now when staring at the gaps in our lives, in the tensions in our souls, how will we decide to address these issues? I am fully convinced that if our idea of humanity and the reality of the human that has been clouded by thoughts about the change that we want to see but without properly attacking the core of these issues.